Welcome along to another edition of The Marketplace. Today, it's an episode with a twist. It's run by you, the fans. We've given you a chance on social media to ask questions of our panel for today, what's happened during the free agency period so far, and what might still be coming your way. Joining me, as always, is the best newsbreaker in Australian basketball, Ogun Ulich from ESPN.com.au. Thanks, Jack. And also joining us, MVP of this competition and MVP of Marketplace. He was with us for our very first edition of Marketplace at Kudos Bank Arena. Derek Rucker, great to see you. Very flattering, and I'm glad to be a part of it. I'm really looking forward to see what type of topics are presented to us by the fans. Well, as I said, today is a bit of a different twist on things. We've thrown this open on Instagram for the last 24 hours or so and asked you, the fans, for your questions for either Olgan or Derek of what we've seen and what you'd like to see during this free agency period. Let's not waste any time. Let's start with probably the most popular question from all of our fans on Instagram. Olgan, what is going on with Milton Doyle? Yeah, Jack, Milton Doyle's season with Tofash in Turkey just finished. And so this is the time when I was told that the talks between him and the Jack Jumpers were going to start heating up properly. There was always an expectation that talks were in a really good place um, and, and that's where they have been. The season's over in Turkey, and so now those talks can heat up a little bit. I'm, to- I'm told those talks are in, in, in the advanced stages, so it wouldn't surprise me if there's some sort of announcement or an agreement uh, pretty imminently. Derek, I, I don't think I'm reinventing the wheel here when I say that he's the most important piece for the Jack Jumpers. Is that fair? Well, he definitely proved that, especially at times last year where, when they were without their point guard, and I thought he did a really good job of showing his versatility to be able to get the uh, jack jumpers in the offense he was solid defensively and look he's a key piece and i would think that they would like to maintain some type of continuity we're not sure what's going to happen with josh majet perhaps olgan has an update there but doyle is the guy that's really going to drive them he's one of the top three to five players in the competition i think returning so wow that's a big piece and if the jack jumpers can't get him olgan surely somebody else would be all over him there's there's interest from everyone in Milton Doyle, at the very least reaching out to his agent and asking what the situation was. But the expectation going into free agency was that a deal was going to get struck between Doyle and the Jack Jumpers. That remains the expectation. Uh, the thing that I, the question that I then ask is, how much is it for? Uh, you know, they were, the Jack Jumpers were really keen on Will McDowell White. That, that didn't happen. Um, they do want a, a higher level replacement for Josh Majed, and that costs money. And so, depending on what Milton Doyle got, it, it can sort of hamstrung a team as far as the point guard that they can get. That is that is the big priority when when it goes into summer league and and after this potential Doyle deal gets done. Uh, but but the money part of it is interesting to me. How much money they have to spend on that starting point guard is is interesting. Well, hopefully that's good news for Jack Jumpers fans in the not too distant future. One for you, Derek. We know how passionate the Red Army are. Can the Wildcats make the finals with their current roster? Without a doubt, 100%. I think they have done one of the best jobs along with Melbourne United in their off-season recruiting. Their free, their free agent signings have been blockbuster. Obviously, getting Keanu Pender, who becomes more of a unique commodity this season with the absence of Xavier Cooks, he is really going to be a problem for teams to handle. So... You know, re-signing the Websters. Now, Olgan, you know my my belief about the Websters. I don't feel like they're good together, but perhaps they've matured. I trust John Reilly's instincts and his judgment in this one. Now you've got a backcourt of the two Webster boys and Bryce Cotton. That 
potentially could be the best triumvirate in the league in terms of a backcourt. Um, you know, I like the look of the French kid, Alex Saar. I think, you know, if he can give them some minutes, he's again another unique attribute. They're going to be really athletic up front. They still got a couple of signings left, right, Olga? And I think, you know, they're going for it, and you love to see this. The, Derek, so, so here's the thing. The Wildcats have no choice but to be good this season because what I'm looking at is next offseason where yep. – the Wildcats have nine of 11 players already signed. They have their eight local players already signed. And so they have to, this has to get, be right. They have to get it done this season. Otherwise, they really don't have much flexibility going into next offseason. You know, we, we look at Jesse Wagstaff just signed. You know, mm. I, I imagine Carl Zunick's uh, contract is off the books. And then you have Dante Russell Nance, a really quality Kiwi point guard. You know, he joins the roster. Michael Harris joins the roster. But there's no flexibility there, and they don't want to get in the same situation that they went through this offseason in having a Mitch Norton, a Todd Blanchfield, these guys who you're trying to get rid of, and, and they have to pay a part of that buyout fee. That part of that buyout fee also hits the cap, and so you don't want to be hamstrung by that stuff anymore. And so they have retooled in a really interesting way. They've gone younger. Uh, it's a, it'll probably be a more up-and-down style of play that John really wants to play, uh, and I yeah. think the roster sort of suits that. The, the, the only issue that I see... If it doesn't work, outside of the, the two team options on, on the two Webster brothers, there's no flexibility going into next season. And so this season, there's a ton of pressure on this team to perform because they're the same thing next season too. Well, it looks like, Olgan, that they've kind of based it around the fact with John Rilly's extension, it's a two-year window, right? It's that's two what it, years, that's what it looks like. get us a title or bust and everybody's out of here. That's what it looks like. And... Obviously, they still have two more import spots to fill. The Keanu Pinder signing was a home run, and so that, that, that is what it is. You know, having Bryce Cotton still on the roster, Bryce Cotton is Bryce Cotton, right? We, we know what he brings, and so what they do with those next two import spots is interesting to me. You know, I'm told that, that they want a three and a four. Um, if they can fill one of those spots with a marquee player instead, they'll, they'll go and do that, but you know, that, that's what they're going through for. It, it'll be... In, in my opinion, from what it looks like, a Ty Webster, Bryce Cotton, Import 3, Import or Marquee 4, and then Keanu Pinder at the 5. You know, may, wow. are, are, they, are they a little bit thin when it comes to their front court? Is, is Alex, uh, you know, is he ready to produce right now? Right? There, there are questions about that. Is David Aquera ready to step up and, and be an impact guy in a, in a playoff series? We're still yet, we, we have to see that as well, but I go back to my original point. It has to work this season because outside of, I guess, the, the development and growth of, of some of their young guys and really cool, you know, uh, Perth talent, they, they don't have flexibility next season to make changes. Let's have a look at the Brisbane Bullets. A lot of questions from Bullets fans. On our very first episode of Marketplace, Derek, you flag Rajon Tucker as someone that the Bullets should look at. A couple of questions from Bullets fans to you, Olgan. Is there any link between Rajon and Brisbane? Uh, from the people I've spoken to, not really. Um, you know, it's, it, again, there's a slight connection there. Justin Schuler was an assistant coach at Melbourne United last last season. Rajon Tucker was at United, and the second half of his season was really impressive. But from the people I speak to, the, the intel I have, I, I don't think that's a connection that we're going to make at this point. Do you think it's a function of money, Olgan? I don't think so. I, I think it's a case of Brisbane wanting to go a completely different direction. They, they do want an import three. That is something that's been made clear to me, and they'll go... And I was told that they'll take their time with it. They'll go into summer league, you know, in the midst of that search. But from what I understand, Rajon Tucker is not on that list. 
Derek, one for you. Which team has improved their roster most from last season? Oh, this is easy. Melbourne United. They've done a fantastic job. They're stacked. I don't know how much money they're spending this year. I think they may plan on going into the East Asian League after the NBL season is over because they are dropping some coin on this roster. And it is a beautiful roster. And guarantee you, Olgan, I'm telling you right now, put your house in Sydney on it. Melbourne United are finishing in the top two. I don't care what happens. They're finishing the top two. There are no weak links in that roster. JLA is going to come back and give them exactly what they needed, some up-front up scoring. We know how talented he is. Delhi is going to be better this time in the NBL than he was last time. I think he's really focused. He's motivated by the fact he needs to be a, he needs to be a good performer in the NBL to ensure he gets core time and is a contributor on that Boomers roster. So I think everyone has a reason to prove something. And I think Dean Vickerman also has something to prove. They're in a perfect situation to win the championship and the talent is there, Olgan. And, and I, don't, I don't disagree. Uh, the, the way they've retooled their roster, uh, the amount of creation options they have, the, the import names that I'm hearing as far as that one remaining import spot that the shooter they want. That some of those names are really high level, and so if if they're able, if everyone's able to stay healthy, which is obviously the most important thing, uh, then they have the creation. They should have the shooting. I think they have the defensive personnel and prowess to get it done. And, and if you're going to trust any coach in the NBL, Dean Vickerman is toward the top of that list. And Jack, let me give a little side note, Jack, because you know one thing I would like to see I, more than anything else, I would love to see Melbourne United come out strong. But I want to see Shea Illy return fully healthy and without his head problems. Um, the concussion stuff obviously is very serious, but he's such an enjoyable player to watch. The way he plays, he plays the right way. He plays hard. He's a guy who has transformed his offensive game to become a, a legitimate threat. And, you know, I, I just hope good health for him and that United can go um, and, and really give him a good opportunity to do his thing again because he was pretty much lost in the season last year, Olgan, and obviously them losing Barlow for a similar reason is real, was really rough on them last year. Yeah, very quickly, the, the, the thing that gives you some optimism with regard to Shea Ely is the fact that it wasn't necessarily just head knocks or concussions. It was, it was a mm -hmm. really specific ear injury or an inner ear injury. And, okay. and, I, and from what I understand, United feels like they have everything intact in and, and they have a really good understanding of, of what it is and how to prevent things and how to work through it. And so there is, you know, when I was at, I was at Hoop City a few weeks ago and Shaili was doing sprints up and down the court, there, yep. there, is, there is optimism that, that he'll be in a really good place come the start of the season, come the World Cup in August. Were you his pace guy for the sprints, Olgan? <laughs> I dare you. I absolutely dare you. <laughs> You two are getting along so well until then as well. Olgan, I'm going to divert away from that question. You are very athletic, by Thank the you. way. Um, the Illawarra Hawks and Todd Blanchfield, it was discussed early on in the piece. What's the latest there? So that's something I reported weeks ago, uh, that Blanchfield had signed a multi-year deal with Illawarra Hawks. He had agreed to that deal. So from my understanding is that that deal is done. It is executed by the NBL. Um, sort of, if we're going to sort of go into how the sausage is made here, when, when contracts get signed, uh, there is an agreement between the players' management and the team. That contract then goes to the NBL, it gets executed. As part of that execution process, it goes through a contract review committee. Now, that committee determines whether or not the number that was agreed on is the same number that will hit the cap. 
Now, with regards to Todd Blanchfield, I'm told that the number that the uh, contract review committee came up with was higher than the one that Blanchfield and the Hawks agreed on. Um, that led to the Hawks appealing that decision that went to an appeals committee and that, that number, that cap hit, got even higher. And so the Hawks are sort of in a holding pattern on trying to figure out how they're going to appeal this once again. Um, but that, that's all it is. We're sort of, the, the deal is done. It's executed. We're just waiting for announcements to happen. Um, but the Hawks are currently figuring out that their best you know, point of attack as far as um, you know, appealing this once again because they obviously want to stay under the cap. That's been a directive to Matt Campbell, the GM. Um, and so that's that's what they want to do. And so if if the number is higher than what they agreed on with Blanchfield, then they might go over the cap, and that's just that's just not ideal for the Hawks. Derek, one for you. We've kind of combined a lot of questions yep. from all, all different fan groups, but one from the Cairns Taipans, just on the players leaving and where they're placed for this season. There seems to be a little bit of uncertainty with far north Queensland fans about their team for next season. What's your read on it? Well, firstly. Let's just go back to Olgan's last comment there. Very informative, Olgan. That was, uh, that's why we do the marketplace, because I didn't even know that stuff about the contract review panel. Uh, great research. Um, okay, on to the Taipans. They've lost a lot of talent. Uh, Majuk Dang is out. Ben Ayer is out. I believe those two guys were not wanted by the team, so they're looking for new places. Ben Ayer's got a home, but Majuk Dang is still out there. Perhaps you can fill us in on him, Olgan. Uh, they lost two of their imports. DJ Hogue obviously signed with Sydney, and Shannon Scott is here in Brisbane. So in some sense, they've almost become a little bit of a farm team for especially Brisbane over the years. And I don't think there's too much dismay to be had by the Cairns Taipans fans because they've done a good job in replenishing their inventory over the years. Adam Ford and before him, the coaches did a really good job of going over to America, finding quality imports, coming up with local Aussies out of college. And I believe that's what Adam Ford feels like he has done this year. Olga and I were with him up here at Brisbane at the under 18 nationals. And 40 was in a pretty good place where he felt his team was going. And you know what, the way they play Olga and where they play, they're always going to be tough to beat as long as they've got decent talent. And I've got confidence in Ford and what they do up there. So um, I'm not worried about the Taipans and neither should be their fans. So Derek, two things on that. Firstly, I think Fordy was in a good mood during under 18s because I think they'd just or, or very recently agreed to terms with Taron Armstrong at that point. And so I'm, I'm sure it was, it was all happy days within the Cairns Taipans camp. Um, the, the other thing is I, there's... There's this perception out there that these players are leaving because of money uh, or because mm. of reasons like that. Shannon Scott wanted to go back to the Taipans, but he would have had to play second fiddle effectively to Taron Armstrong. He didn't want to do that. The Brisbane Bullets had a starting point guard spot for him, so he went there. So that, that was more of a, a positional thing. It was more of a rotation thing. Uh, that wasn't a money thing. I'm also told that the DJ Hogue uh, signing in Sydney also wasn't a money issue. I'm told that the Taipans offer was really competitive. It was... It wasn't a money issue that kept DJ Hogue from returning uh, to Cairns. It was the fact that they had they just signed Taron Armstrong. They have a really young group. There's a good chance they're going to start Sam Menenga as well. And so if you're DJ Hogue, you know, what's the best chance of you getting to the NBA? Is it going back to the Cairns Taipans and playing with this really young group? Or is it going to a Sydney Kings team that will more than likely put together a roster that will compete for a title, has demonstrated they could put guys in the NBA? 
you know, th- there is this perception that Kansas is sort of just recruiting these guys and other teams are stealing them is slightly off. It's that they're not stealing them. It's just mm-hmm. other, you know, better opportunities, money aside, are opening up for these guys. And Kansas has just decided this season to go in a different direction. And that's been Kansas' identity for a while, though, Olgan. They've brought guys back. You know, they brought Mitch Young. They brought in Mitch McCarron. It goes back to the Fernie era. That's what they have to do as a community-based team to get things done. And that's the identity. And that identity, I help, I believe, helps them outperform what they have on paper. And, you know, every two or three years, these Taipans pop up as a threat. And Ford now, I think he has a really good feel for the league and what he wants from his team. I'm telling you, they're going to they're going to be a threat again. And you, you make a good point that Derek, it's every two or three years, right? Mm. Taipans are a team that necessarily have to run in cycles, right? And so with this, I'm, I'm looking. Taron Armstrong's a two year deal. Sam Menenga's a two year deal. Yep. Um, you know, uh, these are these are guys who. In the next, maybe this season, maybe not, are uh, not going to produce at the level that maybe you want them to. But next year, in their second season in the league, they, they might go and do something. And so, right. you know, the thing I heard consistently from coaches around the league last season, last season was that we just couldn't figure out the way the Taipans played. They played a really funky style of basketball. They defended really, really well. And we just couldn't figure it out. They also nailed their imports, and Keanu Pinto had an MVP season. But that was the sense from coaches around the league. And, you know, there's a chance it'll be similar to that again. Adam Ford did a really good job with that team, especially defensively. But like you said, I think they work in cycles. And with this really young group, it wouldn't surprise me if, if next year is, you know, the sort of apex or getting closer to the apex of that next cycle. Question on behalf of Adelaide 36ers fans. I think this is fair to say, Olgan. Will we see Jacob Wiley in the NBL mm. again? We have seen him once before. And certainly in South Australian basketball media, his name has been mentioned frequently in the last few weeks. Yeah, I think there's a good chance we see him in the NBL again, Jack. Um, you know, He was someone who was being shopped around toward the end of last season um, when he's, he parted ways with his team in Japan, I believe. Um, and that was the case going into this uh, free agency as well. He was shot to a bunch of teams, but you know the Adelaide 36ers are a team that are really keen on him, and it wouldn't surprise me if if those talks you know progress really really quickly, um, and he ends up back there. Um, you know he was really solid there in his first season. I, I think he fits really well there. You can ha- you can imagine a defensive identity that you can have with potential starting lineup that has Antonius Cleveland, um, Jacob Wiley, and Isaac Humphreys. Right, that's a really really solid front court to have. Uh, and and so it wouldn't those those talks are happening, and it wouldn't surprise me if something gets done. Hey, Olgan, reverting back to the topic about what team I think has built has built the best roster in the offseason. Certainly, you'd have to have Adelaide in the top three as well. I really like what they've done, but I also like. Um, I know we mentioned the Hawks earlier. You know, they've done a sneaky good job for what they're trying to do. I don't mind some mm-hmm. of the pieces they put together either. If they can get the Blanchfield deal done then it's all good. I don't mind. You know, I like what they've done probably over the bullets thus far. And I don't know, like New Zealand, I think they're going to be good. But they have they made any great moves in your belief, Olgan? New Zealand's been relatively quiet. They've been they've done a good job retaining guys. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's retaining Will McDowell-White, uh, uh, Tom Abercrombie, these sorts of guys. But outside of that, they've been relatively quiet. Uh, and their, their big thing will be whether they can retain their imports. But I agree with you on, on the Illawarra Hawks. The way they have shored up their bench, where I, I think they can go a legitimate you know, 10, 11, 12 deep even. Um, you know, I think Mason Peeling is a huge addition there. I think retaining yeah. guys like, like Dan Greeter, um, you know, bringing in 
um, AJ Johnson to, to be sort of like a backup point, backup wing sort of guy. And I think Todd Blanchfield, you know, it'll be official at some point. Uh, I think he's ready, he's, he's ready for a resurgent sort of season. I think that his style of play, his shooting, his spot-up shooting especially, really helps the, with the makeup of this team. And one that we shouldn't forget, Ruck, let's not forget Justin Robinson. We only saw him in the first half of the opening game of the season, and then that was it. This is a guy with NBA credentials. No, that's very that's very true. And, uh, and I've been working with young Bawali Bales up here during his time in Brisbane. He's you know, been thrown a lifeline as a DP, and I think he's quite hungry to try and make uh, an impression down there as well. So I think they'll have a lot of guys, Olgan, who are hungry, and the coach as well. The coach needs to prove that he can function on his own two feet and not always be in the shadow of Brian Gorgian. Yeah, the the Bales one is interesting to me because he signed as a DP. Um, I'm told that the Hawks are in their they're gauging their options right now. There are some Asian players that they're looking at. You know, Kyle Adnam is someone that's still out there, and you know he, they may be able to swing at him at some point. But if, if none of that eventuates, um, then there is a chance that Bales could just get elevated to the playing roster. And that is really important when it comes to the cap situation because then you have Dave O'Hickey and Bawali Bales, both indigenous players, uh, who would both be nothing on the cap. And so you're effectively saving we'll call it two minimum contracts worth of money. That's, that's you know, wow. roughly $150,000. That's money that you can spend on that import for. Let's keep it moving. Question for you, Derek. What has been the most surprising signing of the free agency period so far? Uh, that, this is a really tough question, and I thought this one over and over. And I think I'm going to go with, I was surprised that Taron Armstrong went up north to, uh, to Cairns. Um, and I obviously, and I don't have the intel that Olgan does, so it was really surprising when it first hit. Um, I just envisioned him being somewhere down south, but again, you know, this thing is about relationships, and I guess Forty has, you know, worked the relationship. I don't know how far it goes back, Olgan, but, you know, I think that sign, that really struck me as surprising, not because... I don't think he's any good or anything like that. I was just shocked at the location that it came out of nowhere. And I think it's probably a really good opportunity for him, especially with with kind of giving him the keys. Is that kind of the intent up there, Olga? Well, you look at who's actually demonstrated certain things. And we, we speak about it ad nauseum on this show, Adam Ford, and you know his ability to develop players, the, the growth that guys yeah. go through under him. Um, and when we saw the way the Taipans played, you know, all of that plays a factor in this. You know, if, you're, if I'm Taron Armstrong, I'm thinking, where am I going to go and where am I going to develop the most? And which style of play am I going to excel under? And sort of, I think Cairns ticks both of those boxes. When it comes to, if I may answer the question, Jack, my, the, the, the signing that surprised me most for me was Bull Kowal returning to Cairns. Right now, they put a really big number in front of him, right? And so there was a financial incentive to go there, but there were big numbers and multi-year deals on the table elsewhere in bigger markets, uh, in teams where you know that they can go put a really elite point guard next to you. Um, and so it surprised me that he opted to practically bet on himself, take that one-year deal to return to Kansas, as opposed to a multi-year deal somewhere else where maybe he can solidify himself as you know one of the elite. 3 and D guys, maybe turn into a marquee level player. Um, it, it surprised me that he sort of bet on himself and he's you know, basically that rental again uh, over in Cairns. And Ogan, I agree with you. And one of the things that was surprising was the quickness with which he signed. It's almost like, you know, I thought he would have kind of canvassed the market a little bit more, but he signed pretty quickly. 
Um, from a commerce point of view, I agree. It may not have been the best move. But from a basketball perspective, Olga, I think it's good for him to go back there one more year and kind of just get himself a little bit tighter with his game. He's still got some holes in there that showed up in the playoffs. And I think, you know, one more year under 40 or two, whatever he elects, I think this next contract stint to remain in Kansas is probably a good one for his career arc. So then, Derek, question for you. So he has returned to the Kansas Taipans. I'm told the number is pretty big. But we yep. saw toward the end of last season, him, you know, Bookwell put the ball on the floor a little bit more. His game expanded to be more than just a guy who spots up in the corner and then you yep. know, is the best point of attack defender on your team. His game expanded to the point where you can maybe see him as a potential marquee. Do you think with slight improvements this season that he can go into Cairns, have a really good season and be a marquee level guy? Because right now he's sort of just below that. Oh, no doubt in my mind. I mean, the first time I walked up to the guy and introduced myself to him, and also a very pleasant kid, really polite, really courteous, plays hard, great physique. This is a guy who Brian Gorgian would love to have. It's just that prototypical athletic defensive dog, and he can shoot the ball. I, I think he's going to be the best two guard in the NBL within three years. Best two-guard, two-way player, Olgan, within three years. That's my prediction for him. I just believe in the kid. And he just looks like he wants it. When you walk up on him, you can feel the hunger and the aura about him. And also, when you're allowed to play defense and get away with eight fouls a game, it definitely <laughs> helps how good you are. <laughs> Olgan, question for you, uh, away from the eight fouls a game. Are minutes guarantees ever Ooh. part of contracts? Uh, so, not part of contracts. Uh, you know, getting something in black and white is, I, I don't think that's a thing. Uh, are there are, uh, players promised starting spots? Yes, that does happen. That has happened this offseason uh, more than once. Um, again, it's never something that's written down. I don't mean to put you on the hot spot. You want to drop a name? Because I'm curious because I don't know what. <laughs> I'll, I'll, drop an, I'll drop a name when this is over. I can't communicate with you. I, I can't get any intel. <laughs> yeah, I'll drop a name to you once, once this recording is over. Um, but that, that, is, that is something that, that does happen. It's happened in the past. It happens every season. Um, they're not written in stone. They're not in contracts. Um, and sometimes they're sort, of, they're sort of hidden. Maybe a guy might might play one or two games to start the season off the bench and then, you know, miracu miraculously he'll start the rest of the season. You know, these these are things that are agreed on between players and, and teams and coaches prior to the season sometimes. It is, I'll say it is rare. Um, it is it is not something that happens a lot uh, because as a coach, you don't want to give up that, that level of sort of autonomy, right, to, to a promise. You don't want to do that, but it does happen. I think it's one of the worst things that a, that a coach or a GM or an organization can do is promise a starting spot to someone. Like, you're just bringing so much potential harm to your franchise by doing that. All you can say in, in best faith is that if you handle your business and come in here and perform like you know you can and I know you can, the starting spot should be yours. But to make a promise, a guarantee, man, you're opening up a can of worms that you may not want to delve into later. The, the flip side of that, Ruck, is if you're a young player, let's say you're coming out of college and you have a team saying, we're going to give you a starting spot, play you 25 plus minutes a game versus another team that says, we're going to pay you $30,000 more 
which one are you taking? You might take that first option because it's probably the best thing for your longevity and for your development and growth. Um, you know, it, in the, the argument for it would be it's just currency, basically. And if you're choosing that currency over actual, actual dollars, then I guess that's someone's prerogative. But I agree with you that there is, there is a mental part of it that is probably not ideal when it comes to the coach and the player. That's a great topic, though, and we should. I'd love to talk that out and hash that out in a, in a longer form another time, though. You know, money or minutes. It's a very, very interesting debate. I want to come back to that at some point in the near future for sure. Ruck, Sydney Kings are without a coach at the moment. Should they be looking at an Australian option or will they go an American option once more? Well, I think since they uh, they parted ways with our beloved colleague, Andrew Gaze, they've definitely gone the American route, right? They had Adam Ford in there for a minute. But since then, when they've gone out and hired coaches, um, they've kind of gone for big names with Chase Buford. And I think I can't see why they're going to be any different this time. They're getting very Euroleague like with their deal. They're, they're going out and getting the players and then bringing in a professional coach to go handle it. And look, they're going to be, it's going to be tough to find a better coach or a better match than they got out of Chase Buford. Two for two. Hogan, I'm not sure I want to follow up on that, man. You'd have to, you'd have to pay me a lot of money to come in behind there because like you're set up to disappoint. You know what? The the thing that I keep hearing is that yep. the level of engagement of high-level coaches around the world uh, in the NBA and otherwise uh, with the Kings is really significant, as, as in really, really high-level guys are reaching out to the Sydney Kings inquiring about the position. And so that is that is the extent to which that position is coveted, just in world basketball in general. Yeah. Um, but, and it's also a, a look at, you know, Will Weaver, who was in that position, went on yep. to an assistant coach job with the Rockets. I think there's a good chance that Chase Buford goes from that position to an assistant coach job in the NBA as well. And so you look at that job as, as the ideal pathway uh, to a really, really good position in the NBA. When it comes to Australian versus US, my feel, and this isn't reporting, it's just sort of the, the, my gauge of uh, the team and, and the situation, is that they're going to go with what works. Um, and that is a Will Weaver type, a Chase Buford type, a younger up-and-coming coach who has demonstrated some level of success, who has a progressive mindset when it comes to the coaching style. That that feels like the direction they're going to continue to go in um, because it's something that's worked. And and, and I don't know if, if you're building a team and, and hiring a coach, why would you go away from that? I'm told that they have interviewed both Americans and Australians, and as in internationals and Australians, I'll say. Um, but... As far as the Australians who fit that mold, that Weaver-Buford mold, there are only a few of them out there, and I don't see any of them leaving the NBA anytime soon. Couple to finish, Olgan. DeMarcus Cousins to Southeast Melbourne Phoenix. Any chance? No. Um, <laughs> thank you. They, thank you. Uh, so I get, I get it. DeMarcus Cousins playing with Mitch Creek right now, Puerto Rico, cool. Um, they have Alan Williams. Uh, he demonstrated to be a really, really high-level center in the NBL. They, they re-upped him for two seasons because of that. Um, there's, there's no chance. Derek, you like that even when he's angry, he's still calm? He's just got such a beautiful manner about him. <laughs> with, the, with the same happy look on his face. I can't, I can't rock him. Just who let that question slip in there? Jack. Yeah, I just thought I'd... What? Can I jump all over this next one? Yeah, you can. Go for it, because it is our final one. John Wall, not a chance. Spare me. Nobody wants to see that, Olga. Nobody wants to see John Wall playing over here. John Wall is John Wall is 32. Uh, he is, I, I believe he's healthy. He is an NBA player. 
the the Phoenix will do their they are doing their due diligence. I'm told there's a meeting today, but it's the due diligence. He's also a part owner of the team. The meeting could could be about hey come play for us or it's hey what are, what are our financials going to look like next season right? Is it's I I, I appreciate uh, the fact that it's out there and and that yeah. I guess everything's an option. Um, but yeah, the, the Kings they're going to go after Eric Spolstra when the finals are over. Like what like that, that's that's the sort of level that that we're that we're in right now. But for I would still see John Wall as being able to have an impact in a right position in the NBA and surely he would have that mindset too. So I just couldn't see it being a mental wavelength match to come over here when perhaps in his mind he'd be like, "Wow, you know, it, I could still be back over there." And that never works out well. Look, he's again, he's he's 32 uh, he can still perform at a decent level. Rich Paul is his agent. The, there is so much water. As in, John Wall is not going to commit to a deal anytime soon. When the, the NBA season's not even over, we haven't even gone to the NBA offseason yet. Let alone, uh, you know, thinking about signing with international teams. And so, again, I appreciate that there is always there is always interest in every player, right? I'm sure, and I'm sure every team would be interested in John Wall. Um, but that doesn't mean that it's it's likely in any way. Okay, let's finish a little closer to home then for our last question. Daniel Johnson is a question that we've got frequently when we threw this open on Instagram. Olgan, firstly to you with an update on DJ's future. Are there any takers for him next season? Not that I've heard of at this point. I, I don't see a spot for him either. Um, the, the kind of word that keeps trickling around NBL circles right now um, is that the feel is that he'll just go play in Japan or go play in Asia somewhere, just get that sort of deal and sort of, you know, run through the rest of his career in that sort of situation. But as of now, I, there are no takers. Derek, what are your thoughts? We're talking about, you know, when the history of the league is written for the last 20 years, DJ is going to go down as one of the best local big men that we've seen in this league. And still a very fine professional scorer. And probably, you know, he probably wasn't the most personable guy over the years, and I think that might be coming back to bite him and outweighing his talent, which I still think he uh, he could produce in in the right role in the right situation. Um, but you know, he, part of his role would probably be some games having a very limited role and coming off the bench, maybe seeing if you're hot and maybe only getting five minutes in a game. Maybe another game you're playing twenty minutes. We need you to mentor on a daily basis. Some of our young, young and up-and-coming guys, you know. But does DJ fit that profile as a player right now? Is he willing to relent some of his minutes for the, for the betterment of the team or perhaps his career longevity? So maybe it is go over to Japan where he can perhaps get a role that he's that he thinks he can still play and and go from there. But it would kind of be a shame not to see him go out on his own terms in Adelaide, but this is the way it is. It's professional sport. Yeah, and, and I'll, I'll, say, I'll say this, Jack. This is something that I think as NBL fans, everyone is going to have to sort of get used to. You know, there, there are yeah. names that, that, were, that were in the NBL last season who we would consider really pop, you know, popular players who are not going to be in the NBL this season. And that's for a lot of different reasons. Guys get aged out. New players enter the league. You think of just the new players who have entered the league recently. It's... You look at Taron Armstrong, Flynn Cameron, Owen Foxwell's gone from DP to roster. Isaac White's gone from DP to roster. And so these spots are getting filled up by younger guys. Uh, and that's the direction a lot of teams are going in. Uh, and that just means that, you know, these veteran guys uh, might not have those opportunities anymore. Well said. 
As always, you two are in fantastic form. Little lovers tiff in the middle there, but we made up and, and we got to the end, which is fantastic. Olga, you've dominated this free agency period via ESPN.com.au and your own Twitter feed as well. So keep up the good work and we'll catch you next time on The Marketplace. Thank you. We should, we should absolutely do this again. Well, my word, we will. You can lock this one in. And Ruck, always great to see you. Your analysis is spot on. So thanks for your time today. Thank you, Jack. Thanks, Olga. Great to do this with you guys again. And a big thanks to all of you fans, all of your questions were absolutely superb. We could have gone for another half an hour with the amount of questions that we will have received. Trust me, we will do this again soon. In the meantime, you can stay up to date with all of the latest news, analysis and opinion during the NBL free agency period at nbl.com.au, all of our social platforms. And until next time, thanks for watching The Marketplace.